a new teaching series uh, this week. We've kind of went through Advent and Christmas and kind of the pieces of that. And so uh, we are going to be talking from now until uh, Lent about leaky faith uh, and what that means in in our lives. Uh, We should have some fun with this uh, over the weeks that come. But we have a new new, um, memory verse that's kind of long this time, okay? But I think a lot of you will already be familiar with it. So let's, uh, let's work on our memory verse this morning. And let's work on turning on the button. There we go. Okay, let's say this together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you're all familiar. How many are familiar with this passage of Scripture? right? Uh, We all believe it. We all embrace it. Uh, Christ is talking about that he has the power. He has the authority. Therefore, go, okay? It's not a sit and wait. It's a go and make disciples, which are followers of Jesus, okay? Interestingly enough, it doesn't go say go and get people saved. It says go and make disciples, people that follow Christ, okay? Of all nations, and, and a nation was actually a people group back then. It wasn't necessarily a political organization, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You notice we always baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them. So make disciples is conversion. It begins the process of becoming a disciple. And teaching them is what we would call discipleship today. The ongoing process of helping people uh, grow in faith uh, in, in their lives, which is a part of this. Uh, it's a part of some of the classes we're going to be starting up here in a few weeks and small groups and all of that sort of things. Everything I have commanded you... And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. He is with us no matter what. I I, I love this. This has been important in my life, uh, all of my life that I can remember. I've always had a drive to reach people uh, for Jesus Christ. But there is a problem with it. Jesus left something out that has disturbed me and caused me no end of struggle over the years. And that is how. He's told us what, but he didn't tell us how. Has anyone else noticed that? You know, it's like, if you would tell us how, this would be much better. It just seems to me like sometimes Jesus is a big picture guy, you know? And it's like, don't bother me with the details. And, and I understand, uh, in large part, um, that's because every generation and every culture, it's a little bit different in how you do it. Uh, and this sort of a statement works through all time and every, everywhere you go. Uh, but, but it does raise this question for me. How do we live out the great commandment in our lives? What does that look like? How do we, how do we do that? What does it look like here, you know? Uh, and, and historically, I, uh, I'm a student of church history. I have loved church history over the years. Uh, and so one of the things I'd, I've looked at is how did they do it in this particular time? Uh, and honestly, it's a little bit disturbing. If you go back to the Holy Roman Empire after Christianity became the, the religion of the empire, uh, one of the ways they did it everywhere Rome would go and they would conquer a new land, they would go to the villages and they would find, you know, who's the chief? And the chief would say, I'm the chief, you know, not realizing what was coming. And they'd get the chief and they'd have him get down on his knees and there'd be a Roman soldier like this with a sword going, confess Jesus Christ. And if they said no, whoop. 
And then the next person in charge would get up and get down on his knees, confess Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, they were far more likely to confess Jesus Christ than the first person, right? Because they knew what was coming. And so basically it was kind of, you know, evangelism through uh, threat of death, which doesn't seem to be a great plan if you ask me. And it wasn't long though before uh, the church actually figured out they had something even better than the threat of death. And that was the threat of eternal damnation right? You're going to go to hell if you don't do what we say. And, and so uh, there was kind of this, for a long time, kind of conversion through uh, threat and, and fear and all of those sorts of, sorts of things that were a part of that. Um, and even, even up until my lifetime, I mean, I've told you before, when I was a kid, there was a program that came through, uh, you know, and we were all supposed to go knock on doors, door to door, and we would knock on doors and say to the person when they opened the door, what a greeting this was, do you know for sure if you were to die tonight where you would spend eternity, right? You know, holy mackerel, did that not make friends? <laughs> I don't remember anybody, and I'm, I'm sure people did, but I don't remember anybody coming to that, in part because it kind of relied on that, that fear uh, sort of thing. Uh, a while back, uh, another incarnation of this kind of uh, I became aware of, uh, and, that, and that's uh, this, uh, kind of the street preacher sort of thing. You know, I told you that a number of years ago I was in Nashville and I was kind of going down the street where they have all the, all the bands and all kinds of stuff. And, and there was a, a group of people that had created a barrier around themselves and they had these really big speakers. And then they had these signs that said basically turn or burn. And they had a list of all of the sins. And it was an extensive list. I mean, it was like two columns on this giant sort of thing. And one of the things I remember thinking is, I'm pretty sure a couple of those apply to you guys. And the second thing I thought is you're not gonna win anybody. And actually there was a group of young adults around that were jeering them and making fun of them. And, and it, it, just, it was just an unfortunate sort of, sort of thing uh, that was happening there. Uh, then, then today, I think in some ways, we've even moved a step further than that. It feels like some ways, especially the evangelical church, has kind of given up trying to convert people and decided that what we're going to do is we're going to be culture warriors and we're going to make laws. So even if they aren't a follower of Jesus, they have to live the way we think they should live. Needless to say, that doesn't address the real problem because the real problem is the heart, not the behavior. Amen? Because we believe the behavior flows from the heart. And so those kinds of things, if you're converting through fear, you know, if you're converting uh, through shame, if you're converting by power, uh, while you may change the behavior of the people, you haven't changed the heart. And Jesus always wanted to change the heart. Amen? Amen. So Jesus was different than that. And the way he connected with people who were sinners, who were far from God, was he was incredibly patient and kind and, and loving you know who he was hard with? The church, people like us, the religious people. He was pretty tough on us, man. He was always giving us our, but people who were far from God, he was kind to them in every kind of, kind of way, you know, and, and it just even occurs to me that how, how hard this is for some people. I, the, the disciples, you know, who followed Jesus for three years, at the very end, they were surprised that Jesus was going to die and rise again. They didn't think, when they thought him, they said, well, you're the Messiah. But they were thinking that one day they would become kings, that he would become this glorious sort of person. They didn't even get it until the end. And they were following Jesus. So for the next se several Sundays, uh, we're going to uh, uh, talk about how Jesus won people to himself the how part of it. What does it look like today? What does the Bible have to say about this? Because virtually everybody agrees that the church should do evangelism. Amen? 
We should be reaching out to people. But in some ways, I think today, because we've kind of been burned by those other ways of doing it, we, there's kind of this, I don't know, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to, you know, I don't, and they'll reject me or what do they think of me? And so I think in some ways we're struggling with what that looks like for some very good reasons. There's been some bad history uh, with, with all, all of that. Um, and so I believe that how we win people to Jesus matters in, in this world. Uh, if you do it based on fear, you're going to get fearful Christians. If you do it based on hate, you're going to get hateful Christians. So let's look kind of at what Jesus had to say about that. If you take your Bibles and look, turn to John 13, 33 through 35, um, and let me set this up for you. Jesus is coming down to the end of his life. A big part of John is, is at the end of Jesus' life. Uh, and so uh, what's happened is they've gathered for the Passover meal. His ministry is done. He's going to go from this place eventually to the garden and eventually to the cross. So we're coming down to the, to the very end of his life. Uh, and you'll remember they had the meal. And in John, uh, we, we have this introduction of this idea of Jesus washing the disciples' feet which there's lots to talk about that, but I think the really most important part to talk about that was he washed Judas's feet. Okay, he washed Judas's feet. The next time you want to reject somebody, remind you, be reminded that Jesus washed the feet of the very one that would betray him. Literally the poster child for evil and for sin in, in, in uh, Judah. Judas. Um, and so um, he goes from there. He tells him he's, he's going to die. Uh, and they don't like that. And they kind of argue with it. Peter, of course, being Peter, he's always got something to say. Uh, so he argued with Jesus a little bit. Um, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 33, because uh, he's going to tell them about this business that he wants to leave with him. Verse 33, my children, um, and, and by the way, this is the word for children there. It certainly refers to small children, but it was common to use it by, for a teacher to use it with their, with their disciples, with their students. It's a, it's a term of endearment and, and love and, and family and care. So this is an intimate moment, okay? This isn't the big public ministry. This is Jesus and the disciples gathered around. I will be with you only a little longer. Now that was disturbing to them because that was not what they were expecting. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. I, I'm going to leave you is what he's saying in this moment. I'm not going to be with you. And that, that was very unnerving and very uh, disorienting for them because they could not conceive of a kingdom of the Messiah that didn't include the king that was there and ruling over them and telling them what to do and telling them how to do it, right? Okay, so next verse. And a new commandment I give you, love one another, which was an Old Testament commandment. But he goes, as I have loved you. And not, not just because I have loved you, you are to love one another, but you are to love one another in the same way that I loved you, okay? So it's not just an equality here, it's a, a method, okay? Uh, so you must love one another. By this, everyone, and the everyone is everyone, okay, will know that you are my disciples, that you are followers of me. And, and for disciples and rabbis, the, the, they were like little images of the one of the rabbi. They were meant to, to be a reflection of that person, okay? If you love one uh, another. And so uh, this is where the secret sauce for evangelism is and the how. It's not about threatening people. It's not about arguing them into submission. It's not even about living a perfect life. Are you ready? 
Well, before we do that, let's talk about something else, okay? So how many of you like honey? Y'all going, what kind of a left turn is this, okay? Y'all, y'all like honey. I, I, uh, I, I love honey, and when we were in Kansas City, it's a southern culture, and they have this thing called sweet biscuits and honey that they love to feed to their preachers when they come over, and they invite you over a lot. I'm telling you, they invite you over a lot. And these things are so good. It's, it's homemade biscuits. And when you're going to someone's house, when you come in the door, because I usually came in late because you had to close the church, you know, I, I'm coming in the door, and that would hit you right in the face, that smell of homemade sweet biscuits. Anyone want to say amen here? If you've ever experienced it, it's like right there, you know, all you can think about is this. And, and, and then uh, they, they, when you get them, you, you put butter on them, like the real thing, and it melts into them because they're really hot, and it's kind of like the butter and the the sweet biscuit become one, you know? And then they hand you this thing of honey that looks like this, you know, and you get it in there and you start putting honey on it and you always think you can get a lot more honey on it than can actually stay on it, right? You know, so you do that and all of a sudden it's kind of rolling off there and it's, it's on your plate and, and if you're me, you're thinking, okay, this looks a little undignified. Should I eat this? How should I do that? And then you kind of catch that smell again and it's like, I'm just getting it and I'm going for it, right? You know, and, and you, you eat it and it just kind of melts in, in, in your mouth and, and honey begins to leak down your hands and, and, and get all, all over you. Uh, and, and you don't even care because the only thing you can think about when you're done with that biscuit is another biscuit. Hey man, don't look at me like that. You're all like, well, I don't know. I'm pretty self-controlled. If you think you're self-controlled with these kinds of things, you've never had them. Because <laughs> it's just, it's the nature of the thing. When, when you have them, you love them. It's sweet and it's wonderful. And you're all going, why are we talking about biscuits and Jesus? Well, here's what I think. Jesus' way of evangelism was the hot, sticky, honey biscuit method. Okay? Say hot, sticky, hot, sticky, honey biscuit. Yeah, I, I think that, that Jesus did this in a, in a time that when he encountered people that were far from God, he gave them hot, sticky, honey biscuits. Okay, not literally, okay. But, but the encounter was a sweet encounter with Jesus. It was an encounter that left you wanting more. When he encountered tax collectors, he went to their house and had a meal, which gave them respect which they didn't have in that culture. They were considered thieves and traitors to their country. And Jesus gave them the hot, sticky, honey biscuit of of respect and love and, and being with them. To the woman who was caught in adultery, he gave her the hot, sticky, honey biscuit of not being stoned to death. He saved her life, literally. To lepers, he gave them the hot, sticky, honey biscuit of actually touching them in a culture where they had to go around ringing a bell going unclean, unclean, and not even their family members could get next to them. Do you see how that impacted them? To to the blind, he gave sight. To the cripples, he made walk. I think probably made dance. To the woman at the well, he released her from the shame of her life. So much so that she went into town and said, he told me everything I've ever done. I've been doing this a long time. I've never met even a Christian who would like to hear everything they've ever done, okay? And we all got that secret file of, of stuff. So Jesus, uh, I think Jesus wants to do it, us to do evangelism the way he did it. Amen? Amen? I, I think the how is the, the life of Jesus. Every time he, he was a part of that, he, he, he reached out to them and he loved it everywhere he went. 
People were covered in hot, sticky honey. You know, you know how you know how it is with that hot, sticky honey thing. If you've ever, how many of you've ever had like hot, sticky honey big biscuits kind of a thing? Yeah. Like I said, it starts to run down. You know, and and, and you, you you think you gotta go, if you're especially at someone's house, like oh I gotta go wash it off. You know, you'd rather go ah. You know. Come on, you want to do that too, right? Yeah, you know? And, and so you, want, you go wash it off, I go wash it off, and I'll go back in and I'll sit down and we're talking, and pretty soon I feel this, like, sticky on my side. And I'm like, you know? And, and again, it's, you know, it's kind of on your shirt, and you think, oh, I got to go wash that off. And you really wish you weren't there with other people because you'd like to go, ah, you know, and, 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 and take it off there. And, and then it gets somewhere else, and there's just something about honey that just gets all over everything, right? You know? And, and so I, I think that's the way it is with Jesus, with the love. When you, when you show Christ uh, out as the, the hot, sticky honey biscuit, that, that it, they, the initial taste is good, and, and they want more, and then it just kind of gets in. They run into it in all kinds of ways. And the love of Christ was what transformed the world around him. Everywhere Jesus went, lives were changed transformed in so many ways. And so uh, God's love is to, to leak out of us in, in, in all of that. I think we need to do evangelism Jesus' way. In fact, there's a, a story that just really helps me uh, with this. It's called the story of the prodigal son. How many of you have ever heard it? There's so much in that I could preach a whole series on the prodigal son. But one of the things I like best is the end of the story. The beginning of the story is there's two brothers. Uh, The younger brother says, I want my half of the inheritance, which would have been a third of it. Uh, And so dad gives it to him. Older brother is not happy about that because it would have crippled them financially. It would have been a third of everything, right? You know, Uh, and so he takes it and he goes off in wild living and spends it all and ends up in a pigsty, which for a Jew was really bad because pigs were unclean. Finally figures out, hey, my dad treats his servants better better than this. And so I'm going to go back and see dad. And this is where the story gets really great because it says that dad saw him far off. Dad was watching. Dad was waiting. The whole desire of dad's heart was that his son would return. And that would have been weird for a Jew because for Jews it would have been, you should disown your son and you shouldn't want to have anything to do with him. And then it records that he ran to his son. And I can see all the Jews going, oh yeah, this is going to be good. He's going to get down there. He's going to chew that boy out. Hey, let's watch this. And he gets down there and instead of saying, you've sinned and this is what you need to do to make it right and you're never going to really be my son again and all of that, he like grabs him and hugs him. And, and, and I think of, of, of a hug, like kind of some of the things you see in like Snoopy, you know, cartoons, where they hit them and their shoes flying and everything and they roll, you know. I, I don't think it happened like that. He was an old man and, you know, but, but that's what I think. And he just, he grabs and he said, puts a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And he says, my son is home. We are going to holy party, kill the fatted calf. Sweet biscuits and honey, Right? Right? He didn't get what he deserved. He got the, the love of his father in, in that joyous celebration. And, and I hope that as a church, when people who are far from God come to generations, they are welcomed with open arms. Okay? And, and they're, they're accepted and loved, and, and they, they get the sweet biscuits and honey. That doesn't mean their lives are together and they're not sinners, okay? But can I be frank with you? Your lives aren't together either. And you have struggles. 
Again, I sit in a unique seat where I hear most of those that ever the other people don't. And, and some, here, here's a, a pastoral fantasy, right? Because people come in and they're like, oh, I'm the worst and I'm the terrible, you know, how can I do I, I have this fantasy where I take everybody's stuff and I put it up on the screen. And you're all going, <gasps> you know. And the reason for that is because most of you would look up there and go, oh, I'm middle of the pack. You know, turns out I'm not so bad as you think it is. Everybody has stuff in their life, and we are called not to judge them, but to welcome them. That's what sweet honey biscuits is all about. And uh, it causes them to hunger for more of Christ. Uh, And we follow Jesus so we should be like him in everything we do. Amen? So there's a a little, some ways in which the honey comes out. We all have a little bit of different honey in our life. Uh, And and it's because of the working of the Holy Spirit in us. And next week, we're going to talk more uh, about this particular passage. But listen to these kinds of honey. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's honey. Joy. Peace. Forbearance or patience. That's the hard one. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. That isn't the angry preacher on the corner. That is God's love. And so let me kind of give up preaching and go into meddling for just a minute. If people who are far from God read that description and don't think of us, something's wrong. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't you doing something yourself. That's the working, the evidence of the working of the Spirit in you. So let me say again, if people who are far from God read that description... And don't think of us, something's wrong. Why in the world would someone be attracted to a Jesus whose followers are filled with anger and judgment, fear, shame, and self-righteousness? I'm a preacher, and I don't want anything to do with that. God wants to do something powerful in us. So I have another Craig Laughlin translation of the Bible. This is a very loose translation of this particular passage, but for me, it works. Sometimes I rewrite scripture. Don't tell my boss that. Uh, Sometimes I rewrite scripture so I can get my head around it because I'm not smart enough for the rest of it. Here it is. See if this is helpful for the passage we've been working with. John 13, 33 through 35. If you will truly love one another, everyone will see me in you. This is Jesus speaking. So it won't matter that I've gone back to heaven. They were concerned that he was going back to heaven and they were going to be alone. And he's saying, he's saying, if you will truly love one another, you'll be able to see me. You'll see me in each other in the world. Everyone will see me. So it won't matter that he's not with us physically. If we love them, they'll see Christ in us. That is the goal. Amen? Okay? So... Jesus is the how of evangelism. It's his way. We want people to be attracted to Jesus, not to us. (laughs) We want people to be attracted to Jesus, not to us. Amen? Okay, I love our worship band, but if you're coming for the worship band, you're coming for the wrong thing. I, I, I love preaching, but if you're coming for my preaching, you're coming for the wrong thing. The purpose of the worship band, the purpose of the preaching, the purpose of the serving, the purpose of the lattes, the purpose of everything we do is that people might see Jesus, not us, in everything. We are motivated to be Jesus to the world around you because nothing else can truly meet the needs of the soul and of the heart. Only Jesus can do that. In every sort of way, we are to be a people who are about transformation, and only Christ can transform a life. You know, I can give you some advice, but only Christ can transform it. So here, here's, here's the, the language I've, I've picked up recently that I'm going to probably use. You can hear it more as we talk about 
coming to Christ. Our message is, I invite you into a transformational relationship with Jesus. I invite you into a transformational relationship with Jesus. Say that with me. I invite you into a transformational relationship with Jesus. A a, a relation that's about life, not death. It's about abundant life. He said, I'll give you life and that more abundantly. It's it's forgiving your past. And here's where that sin thing comes in. Because see, we live in a culture where preaching to people about repenting from their sins is not effective because they don't believe they're sinners. They don't even believe in the concept of sin. It's like, yeah, I don't, you know. And so I hear people doing that and people walking away going, oh, I'm not a sinner. Why would I care about repenting of my sins? But you know what happens when you get in transformational relationship with Jesus Christ? He begins to talk to you about things. And here's my definition of sin when I'm working with people who aren't deep into theology. That thing you know in your heart is wrong. Let me tell you, that thing you know in your heart is, whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, Everybody's got stuff inside that if they could change it, they'd take it back and do it different. Everybody has relationships that have broken, been broken in some sort of way. And when I say that thing you know in your heart, maybe no one else knows about it, but you know in your heart that's wrong, all of a sudden, the idea of God taking care of their past for them becomes very appealing. So don't go away saying, our pastor doesn't want to talk about sin in people's lives. I just don't want to start there. I want to start with an encounter with the living Lord. And I'll let him get to that other part because I find that he's very uh, effective this. Only Jesus can transform your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, only Jesus can transform your life. In fact, Scripture says there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And the word saved actually refers to the whole of life. It doesn't, it's not just, just heaven. We're about way more than fire insurance, amen? amen. We're about transformed lives. So... The how of evangelism is love like Jesus. Say, love like Jesus. I know I say this a lot, but it is the whole enchilada. Everything flows out of this. Love like Jesus, love like Jesus, love like Jesus. And I believe love constantly leaked out of Jesus. He didn't set up a giant program. Hey, we're going to have four steps for this, and we're going to have three steps for that, and, and we're going to you know, get, have a big conference, and we're going to teach it. It just leaked. Just when people had encounters with him, it, it leaked out of him. It, it came out in all kinds of ways. He just loved people that he, that he encountered. He, he didn't heal everybody. You know, he didn't fix everybody. And it's so freeing for me. Uh, there's a, a really great story that, that's really helped me. Uh, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. You all familiar with that one? Okay, I grew up in the church where there was lots of pressure about getting people one to Christ. Uh, and so every time I would read the Good Samaritan, I would feel guilty because I thought, oh man, there's people in Africa, we got to get saved, there's people there and all this. And then one day when I was praying and kind of dwelling on this, just me and the Lord sitting in my office, the Lord said to me, the Good Samaritan didn't save everybody, he just saved the person I put in front of him. Amen. And that was so freeing. You don't have to fix everybody. And there are going to be people in your life that you wish somebody would fix. But you just have to do the work of the ones God puts in your life. Puts in front of you to care for them. It's not the whole world. Jesus is the only one that can do the whole world. But we can do the people he puts in front of us. Finding broken people that he's put into our lives and introducing them to Jesus. Everyone who encountered Jesus walked away better. Think about that for a second. Everyone who encountered Jesus walked away better. So, God's love is the sweet and sticky like hot biscuits and honey. Amen? 
That's what God's love is like. It's, it's just everywhere. Uh, and and you, the more you taste it, the more you want. Amen. Have you guys really had hot, hot sweet biscuits and honey? <laughs> if you really had hot, sweet biscuits and honey, you'd be all over the amen on that one because you, you just want more, I'm telling you, okay? And, and it's such, so in, important for us uh, that we constantly be uh, reaching out and loving in Christ's name. So here's what this whole thing, this whole series is about. Do life in such a way that people are attracted to the Jesus they see in you. I can't think of a better way to say it. Do life in such a way that people are attracted to the Jesus they see in you. Do life in such a way that people are attracted to the Jesus they see in you. Let's say this together, okay? Amen. When you encounter someone who is far from God, it is hot biscuits and honey that come, is, is it hot biscuits and honey that comes out of you? Or is it judgment and pain and shame? And I am here to tell you, if you want to really win people to Christ, go with the hot biscuits and honey. And besides that, it's a ton of fun in it. That we would reach out and give to people the desires that they need for what will transform their lives. So for the next four weeks, we will be talking about how to be leaky Jesus followers. Say leaky Jesus followers. Yeah, you didn't know that you were going to come and be told to be leaky, right? Normally leaky isn't good, right? If you've got a leaky faucet, that's, that's not a good experience. But if you've got a leaky biscuit that's leaking honey all over things, that's a good experience. That's a good experience that we would be leaky in, in that kind of, a, um, kind of a way. So your job and my job is to be Jesus to the people God puts in front of us to invite them, to encourage them. Invite them to church. Say, you got to check my church out, man. Oh, well, you know, last time I went to church, somebody said this awful thing to me. Say, that's not what this is all about. This is about loving people. So next week, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how that connects to this business uh, of being, uh, being followers of Christ. So here's our prayer. I hope you pray this all week. Lord, give me the sweet, sticky, leaky faith. Lord, give me the sweet, sticky, leaky faith, and I pray that it gets all over everybody. Amen? So I've been trying to figure out, if our band could come, uh, I've been trying to figure out how to help you remember this during this week, if there was something I could do. Uh, and I went out on Amazon, uh, and I found um, little things, packets of honey, real, real, real cheap. And so when you go out of this place, there are going to be people at these back doors with a thing that's got packets of honey. And I want you to take one of those. I want you to carry it around with you as a reminder that what's supposed to come out of you is sweet and sticky. Okay? Now, if you have something sharp in your pocket, don't put the packet in that pocket. Or you're going to get to discover the whole clean up and sticky kind of, kind of piece of it. But, but I really want to encourage you to hold on to that sort of thing. And, and maybe you can coerce somebody in your family to make like hot sweet bi biscuits. And then you can pour it on there and, and, and enjoy it. I, I thought about trying to get hot sweet biscuits, but you all don't want to eat what I cook. So, uh, so we're not going to do that. We're just going to do the honey. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to pick that up. And just remember, okay, Lord, give me sweet, sticky, leaky faith. Lord, give me sweet, sticky, uh, leaky faith. You think I could remember this. Lord, give me sweet, sticky, licky faith. Lick <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I think the Lord's trying to tell me it's time to wrap it up, son. <laughs> so um, let, me, let me pray for you before I get myself any deeper into trouble. Father God, um, Lord, we are so, so blessed that we get to bring good news to people, that we get to love people, Father, and, and, and care for them and, and bring them the, the, the sweetness of, of your good news, Father. We're reminded that you, you spoke gospel. You spoke good news. It was good news to, to whoever uh, heard it, Lord, and, and sweet sticky biscuits is just kind of a funny way to say it. But Father, I, I pray that you would make us that kind of a people, that when we encounter people who are far from you, Father, we, we would start with the sweetness of Jesus' love, and that they would see it in us, and they would be attracted to you, Father, in the midst of all of the things and chaos that's going on in some of their lives, that they might find hope and life, and that they might be transformed into the image of Christ. Make us that kind of church, I pray. And we ask it in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, would you stand as we sing? Hey, church family. Thank you so much for watching this video. We hope that God is inspiring you and working in your life. If so, make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video. And as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.